The writer Hal Borland has this quote about the end of the year. Year's end is neither an end nor a beginning, but a going on. A going on, huh? That feels kind of right. A going on to me sounds like moving, but there's a struggle, dragging your feet. I don't know about you, but I'll be walking Nora up the road and feel tired. Then I'll pass the sheep farm next door and think, how can I be tired? Farmers work seven days a week from dawn till dusk. That is hard work, not what I do. I can't really be tired from podcasting, from management consulting, from folding laundry, and watching Brian Garden. The weather, though, does admittedly wear you down. The storms, the wind, the cold. There's a tree knocked over our stream that I can't even get my head around how to deal with. It's a tree rooted on the next-door neighbor's land, knocked by wind or lightning over our shared creek. The creek is managed by the state, but the tree has fallen on our property. Who cleans this up? I look over at Nora on the couch here in the studio. It's our old city furniture, now in the goat shed turned studio office. She loves coming here. Even wants to come on Saturdays when I'm like, no way are we going in there. Nora also seems tired of 2021. She's been on at least 500 Zoom calls. She parks at the UPS driver every day at 3 p.m. and at UPS every day at 4. It's a job. At a neighbor's small holiday gathering last Friday, the conversation shifted between being grateful for all of us being in person with a big spread and a full bar and how we're all just crawling to the end of the year. That joke Seth Meyers did about only 15 days left of 2021, but by his calculations, there's two more years of 2020. But wait, there's hope. Just when I'm feeling my most negative, my most exhausted, I'll see something that snaps me out of it. Something that reminds me of everything good that has happened, that we have, the good fortune, and good people. The place we live among beauty, nature, space, and animals. It makes you look back and then forward, and then right in the moment, which is now. It shows up in this quote, passed on by our friend Susie Pelosi for the holidays. Remember when you wanted what you currently have? I'm Matt Zucker, and this is City It, learning to live and love life in the Hudson Valley. It's not just the end of the year, it's the end of the season for the podcast. I know it's arbitrary, but I started breaking things into seasons during the second year when I was getting a bit tired. My father-in-law Morty said, maybe stop for the season and start again. Seasons, I thought. I forgot I too could have them. It's a good idea to pause, to break, to reset, to find your second wind. My mother takes power naps, 20 minutes or so. She'll go from being completely beat to ready for more. Brian goes for a run. Some people go to the gym. Some meditate. Some listen to music. Some, like our guest today, don't really get tired because he loves what he does and he's having too much fun. I won't lie, producing a podcast is a joy and a chore, and I keep creating more for myself to do. As you know, I started writing for the Red Hook Daily Catch with an Ask a City column. Weekly was admittedly too ambitious, so now we're at bi-weekly. The publisher, Emily, tells me it's really popular. I like doing it for a lot of reasons. I love writing and publishing, and I also get paid for it, which helps support the podcast. And of course, it's bringing in more listeners. I can see it in my Google Analytics. And then there's the song, City It's Anthem. It's taken time to produce with El Sueco and the Don at Space Studios, but it's going to take even more time to market and get out there at launch. Late January is when we're putting it out there. Make sure you're on the list. 
add your email at cityit.com. Meanwhile, I want to end this year introducing you to a great person who I met during it. Matt Baumgartner is an entrepreneur and owns June Farms near Albany, as well as several bars and restaurants like the Troy Beer Garden, the Berlin Lounge, the Old English Pub, and Wolf's Beer Garden in Syracuse. We talk about his story, how he started June Farms, about the animals, how pigs are smarter than cows, and you'll even learn the funny story behind the name. Welcome, Matt. Thank you. You're a Matt with two T's. I'm a one T. That's just weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks so much for coming on the show. I'm really curious to hear about you know, you know, you and, and, and your your businesses, and you've done all these kind of very interesting things. I don't know if you even relate to the word city it or what you think of us, but I thought you would have a really unique view on what it means to to move to the country and do something do something interesting. Yeah. So may, maybe tell us a little bit about, you know, your, your story, like, you know, because um, you, did you start in the city, in New York? No, I started in upstate New York. That's where I'm, I'm from, Utica, New York, then went to school in Schenectady at a small college called Union College. Then I worked for General Electric for like a minute out of college, won some money to casino, quit that job, and then started in the restaurant business. I opened up a very small burrito restaurant in Albany, New York, and did that for a while, and then opened up other restaurants, tried other businesses, done a bunch of entrepreneurial things in my life. Now I currently live in upstate New York still, but I had a place in New York City for about 14 years. And then, so what made you move up here from New York City? Well, New York City was really fun. I had a clothing, a menswear clothing line for a minute in the city. It just sort of felt as I was getting older, I didn't really have anything to take care of. You know, I mean, I enjoyed the restaurants that I owned. Um, I've had 15 over 15 restaurants in my life and they've been super fun, but I never really expected to do the restaurants at an older age. Like, I don't know, hopefully after 50, I won't be doing them. And I don't have kids, you know, I have like a dog, but I didn't really have anything to sort of take care of. And I thought buying some land and raising some animals would be really fun. So I decided to get rid of my apartment in New York City. And then I bought some land in upstate New York and then started a small farm, which is now called June Farms. And when you say land, I mean, I have 1.75 acres. When you say land, what are you talking about? Right, so June Farms is 120 acres. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's, it is a considerable amount of land, I guess. It doesn't feel like it's that big now. After having it for a while, you kind of get to know it so well that it felt like the size of Pennsylvania when I first bought it, but now it's not, you know, it feels very manageable. And what about, what animals did you buy? Well, the very first truck that showed up had one bull and three cows on it. You started so, with a bull and cows? I thought you were going to say like chickens or ducks. No, we, we started with a bull and cows. And then a few days later, we got a truck of five piglets. I don't know why we chose that. I just, I really wanted to have some cows. So we chose heritage breeds for the farm. So all of the animals on the farm are old breeds that aren't necessarily that popular any longer with like commercial farmers, but they come with a lot of benefits. Like, you know, they do really well in the winter. They're good birthers. They have good dispositions. I think they look really beautiful. So we started with Scottish Highland cows and they're very easy to take care of. They stay outside. We have a running shelter for them in a barn, but they rarely go into it. They just eat hay and grass all year and, you know, drink from the fresh water and they just sort of chill. And then we have currently two Gloucestershire old spotted pigs that are pretty much just pets. 
originally the plan was to harvest the animals for restaurants that I had, but I really disliked killing the animals. So now they're really just pets. They stay on the farm. We don't kill them. And people visit June farms to sort of see a farm and the farm animals, and then they can buy a beer or some food when they're there. And do you name the animals? I don't know what the rules are. Well, we do name the animals. I mean, all the cows have names. The horses obviously have names. The goats have names. Yeah, they have names. The chickens, I can't really tell them apart so easily, so we don't name them. And we don't name the calves that are born just because we end up giving them to other farmers or neighbors who are looking to start their own farm that sort of promise us that they won't kill them. So I have a question about cows. Do they have like personalities the way I know sheep and dogs and ducks? I will say that I don't do the best job of handling our cows so much where I don't give them as much opportunity to show me their personality as my dog or the horses or the goats or whatever. Um, They all kind of seem the same to me. They're not really that expressive. Some are friendlier than others where they come up to you and like lick you and whatever. They like you? I didn't know that. Yeah, the cows will come up. Yeah, yeah, they'll come up to you and some are friendlier than others. They usually just, for the most part, want to be left alone unless you have some sort of treat for them. No offense to any cow farmers that are listening to this, but the cows, in my opinion, are one of the dumbest animals on the farm. I mean, they just like shit all over themselves. They'll shit on the, you know, they're just shitting and pissing everywhere without any concern as to where it's going. Whereas the pigs, for example, they leave their little hut to go to the bathroom and to go piss and shit and whatever. They keep their area clean. They seem to be on a, another level in terms of intelligence than the, the cows, for example, or the, the chickens. But they're beautiful. I mean, cows are beautiful to see. Out. They're beautiful. I, they're, I find them so calming and they're very sweet. And, you know, they're a wonderful, wonderful animal. Did you have to get trained to like manage animals and things and to raise them? Did we what? Did you have to get trained to manage animals or to own animals? No, I have a couple uh, guys that help me on the farm who are really smart. And we all kind of learn together just through speaking to the farmers who we purchase the animals from or from reading about it or from YouTube. I mean, YouTube is like an unlimited resource for finding out everything you need to uh, regarding farming. So that's been really helpful. And you use a term with me called agritourism. I don't even know if I'm saying it correctly, but like, that's like a big thing now, isn't it? I guess so. I mean, I live in my own little bubble. I don't really know what a lot of other farms do. It's a term that we basically had to check a box in a lot of bank loans to describe what we're doing there. I think the word agritourism means that you have some sort of agricultural component, whether it be, you know, animals or gardening or you know, an orchard or whatever that may be. And then people come visit you to see your operation. And in doing so, you can charge an admission or charge, you know, for food or lodging. And that in itself is the money-making component of the farm. So for us, that's our money-making component is the agritourism where people visit us to see how we raise our animals. And then they can hang around. They can rent a cabin or buy a beer and buy some pizza. Cool. If people want to do, do something like that, what do you think they should know about like owning animals or, or running a farm? I think you have to have a very clear way to make money from the beginning. I think a lot of people think, oh my God, I'm going to milk the cows and make my own cheese and sell them at a farmer's market. You're going to be broke the first month. Raising animals is very expensive, even just the taxes of the land and the feed and all of that stuff. So a lot of farmers really work 
super hard with a lot of heads of cattle or a lot of pigs or whatever. I don't really know how they make money. I obviously they do because there's a lot of them out there, but we could never make money on the yield of the eggs, or even if we were to still harvest the cows, I don't think we could have sustained the farm on that. So I went back to what I know how to do and that's sell beer. So we make money on the beer. The animals are the attraction, but the income is from the beer and the lodging. Farm life though, like looks really, really hard. I live next door to two farms and I, I was thinking about how tired I get. And then I look at a farmer and I'm like, okay, I'm not tired. That, that's, that's tired. It's seven days a, a week. I mean, maybe because you're in the restaurant business, it's similar for you, but isn't there a certain level of physicality and being tired? I don't know. I guess when you use the word hard, it, to me, it was a lot harder working at a desk at GE because I felt like my mind was in a prison. And I just felt like my soul was being crushed. So to me, that was hard. This is like fun. And it, it can be physically difficult, especially when you're doing things like fencing projects or things that just take a long time and it's tedious and it's laborious or whatever. That is hard. But the overall general day-to-day -day operation of the farm isn't that physically strenuous. We kind of have a lot of good systems in place that keep it pretty simple and manageable. And of course, I have two, two guys that help me a lot. So, I mean, we kind of all share the responsibilities and they do a lot of the, you know, more backbreaking work than I do at this point. But uh, I don't know, it's, it's pretty fun. I mean, you wake up, you feed the animals, it takes like a couple hours and then it's really just sort of making sure everything is organized and clean and there's always some ongoing projects. But it's usually when you get your like hay delivery, like that's a big couple of days of hard work, you know. But I think when you have like 200 heads of cattle and it's like all of the milking and all of the moving of the milk. And, you know, that to me sounds backbreaking and very difficult. Our operation is a little bit more simple and small farming and not as physically hard, I don't think. What kind of things do you like creating? Is it like new projects? Is it like furniture? Is it? I mean, I enjoy, I mean, the farm itself feels like a huge canvas that we always get to add to and paint on and you build on. I really enjoy building new cabins. Like at the moment we're building a hobbit house and that's really fun. And we have a tree house in the works and even just planting new trees or deciding which new animals we're going to get. I mean, all of that stuff is such a fun choice that I don't know, it keeps me, keeps me busy. And the constant changing of seasons presents its own set of challenges each season at the farm that keeps things interesting and, you know, uh, fun. What, what really sucks though? Like what's like disgusting or gross or what do you dread? Well, dr I don't know if I dread anything. I mean, it's a bummer when it's freezing out and you have to go outside and work and feed the animals. Um, I don't like the death part of the farm. To me, that's the worst part. Like showing up and seeing a fox having killed like three of the chickens because you do get somewhat connected to the animals, even if they're not named, you still feel a responsibility to protect them and give them a happy life. And that sort of makes you feel like you failed on a level when you see some death. And when people come to visit, can you tell who's a city and who's not? Like, can you like size us up really quick? Uh, there's a certain clothing attire that seems like it's <laughs> a little bit more downstate than upstate. You know, the, the jeans are a little tighter. The, hat, the hats are a little fancier. The coats are a little longer. It seems like most of the people that stay at the Airbnb cabins are from Brooklyn. And most of the people who just show up at the farm and walk around are a little bit more on the local side, unless there's friends visiting people who live locally. 
a lot of the people just show up and have drinks and walk around are feel more local than the uh, than the people who stay at the cabins. What's it like for you to be gay upstate? When I came out of the closet in my mid twenties and I was living in Albany, it quickly felt that by living in Albany, and this is no dig on Albany, I love it here, and there's a lot of really great gay people here. But I felt that if I'm going to be an out gay person, I want to experience bigger things in life than what Albany can offer. So I decided to get a apartment in New York City, even though I couldn't really afford it at the time. I'm like, I have to, like, I don't want to be living here, feeling like there's a whole world of people out there that I'll never meet because I'm living in, you know, a small city. And it was probably the best thing that I did because it really gave me a lot of inspiration for the restaurant. I met a ton of gay people. It made me feel more connected to like bigger cultures and you know, a more diverse population, which was definitely needed. And I do miss having an apartment there, but, and I do miss more of a gay culture than I have here currently. But I think overall, it was important for me to go back to my roots and be outside working with my hands and doing things that I think sort of fed my soul a little bit more than partying in New York City with my gay friends. I think I'm happier and a little bit more calm because of the farm than I was when I was living in New York City. Let's talk about the region. I live in the Hudson Valley, so I'm a little bit south of you, or the, the other end of the valley, I guess, for, for, from you. I'm only about an hour away from, from Albany. What's a great place for us all to know about? I am Team Albany all day long over Troy, New York, but Troy is really gorgeous. It's a small, little, cute Brooklyn-style city that is really, really charming. And oh. if you have one afternoon to spend in the capital region, I would say go to Troy have a nice lunch, walk around, visit all the cute shops. It looks like you're right out of a Hollywood film. It's really, really gorgeous. I mean, it's all independent restaurants and bars. And I have one there myself called the Troy Beer Garden, which is a plant-based bar and restaurant. It's very beautiful, tons of plants and flowers. It's right on the Hudson. You can go back to Albany. There's a beautiful park called Washington Park, which was designed by Homestead, who did Central Park. That's beautiful, beautiful on a nice sunny day. Yeah, it's a really beautiful uh, park to walk around. So this pandemic's been, you know, hard on us all in different kinds of businesses. I would imagine it would have hit you in some, in some fashion in, on either of your businesses, but what's it been like for you? Yeah, so it's weird. On the restaurant side, we voluntarily closed. I have these beer gardens called Wolf's Beer Gardens that are like soccer bars. and We closed them down for months during the pandemic just because it was like not worth it to me. You know, the staff took off. We closed down, had money saved up. I was able to kind of relax a little bit. The farm on the other side was so busy because going to a farm was one of the allowable uses, one of the allowable things you could do. So everybody was coming to June Farms to just like walk around and see the animals. I think we had our busiest year. I mean, we've only been open like four years, but last year was our busiest year by quite a bit. So it's a really great business. And from a seasonal perspective, I get to kind of take a lot of time off, but then work like a crazy person in the summer and spring, summer and fall. So people come visit the farm either for the day or they can come to a farm stay and kind of stay to rent an Airbnb over, yeah. overnight. Yep, Airbnbs are all year long and walking around the farm is all year round. But if you're looking to go to the snack bar and have some drinks, that's seasonal. I mean, it looks really beautiful. I've seen the Instagram feed. Yeah, thanks. I think it, I think it is. It's, you know, it's, it's difficult not to be happy when you show up and you, first of all, have some drinks, but also when you, you know, see a barn cat running across the bar and there's chickens hopping on your car and there's horses and cows and goats and pigs and ducks and all of that. It really sort of flips a switch in everyone's head that reminds them of storybooks you read growing up. 
It's really beautiful out there. Those animals are really special. You know, you started the conversation talking about how you wanted something to take care of. So do you, do you feel like this is it? I could not even imagine my life without this farm at this point. I don't even know what my life was like before. Like, what did I do all the time? It's just so much fun. I mean, even if somebody showed up and said, I want to buy your farm for whatever, 10 million bucks or something, I wouldn't even know what to do with that money. I, I don't think I could put it towards anything that would make me happier than this farm is currently making me. Originally, I was just going to live out there on the land. There was never a sort of idea of it being open to the public. It was only when I started getting the animals that I kept getting calls and messages from people saying, can we come out and see the animals? My, my mom's coming to town. Can I bring her out to see the animals? It made me realize, oh, wow, people really want to come out and just walk around a farm. So we decided to do a pop-up called June in the month of June where we were going to sell some beers and some food to help raise money for the farm. I didn't get a chance to get it done by June, so we did it in August, but I had all the logos and everything done by then. So I'm like, screw it, let's just call it June Farms. So <laughs> we called it June Farms and we opened it in like, I think it was like August or September or something. And it was so busy, people loved it. And so then we did it again the next year, but we opened it in June and we did it June, July and August. And it was so busy. And then we just started adding more to it, like cabins and some weddings and we got more animals and... It's really great. I and mean, people seem so happy when they show up there. Is there any wisdom that you live by that you, that you think people should? I don't know if I have wisdom, but I live my life without, I mean, without regret sounds crazy, but I don't want to be older and feel like I should have done something. I will do anything. I will try business with anybody. I will try anything. I will spend any amount of money that I have if I think it's a good idea. I've tried so many businesses over my life and I'd say a third of them have failed miserably, but I really enjoy the sort of ongoing challenge of being an entrepreneur. And I don't want to be 95 years old and be like, you know what? I really wish I had tried that bar because I really believe that was a good idea. I am really sort of proud of myself for always taking all of the chances and never really leaving anything to sort of like, what if? Thanks to Matt Baumgartner, and thanks to you for listening. All I want for Christmas is you, and a review from you. Please go to cityat.com and see how you can do a quick rating and review of the podcast right on the site. It helps people find the show. Thank you, Anne, for doing the most recent one. And if you're listening on Spotify, they just introduced one to five star ratings, so please do that quickly there as well. Please stay in touch with me during this brief annual hiatus. Join the City at email list at the website and you'll be among the first to know about the song release and other cool stuff. I'm sending out my first survey to get input and ideas for next season, so please respond to that. It'll be short. But don't worry your donkey ears. I'm already working on season five, which will be fivulous. I'm Matt Zucker, grateful for you, for this podcast, which in its own way keeps me from getting tired and which I think is such fun. I also don't want to live thinking, what if? Thanks for tuning in. Happy holidays and happy new year. Come visit. <laughs>